Let's go to work. Okay? Daddy's gotta go to work. You want some sexy? You want to laugh? Licensed to talk. <laughs> Licensed to talk is sponsored by Goodspeed Beverage Center. 2202 Seneca Street. They got seltzers, heavy beers, anything you need. Stop by Quench Your Thirst at Goodspeed's Beverage Center. First in Buffalo, Fireman owned and operated 391 Abbott Road. Custom t-shirts, custom hats, custom apparel. Get your custom gear at First in Buffalo. Mr. Submarine, 1977 South Park Avenue, serving South Buffalo since 1963. Lowest prices in town. Try the ham sub. Tell them license to talk sent you. Bottle Rocket Beer Reserve, 2182 Seneca Street. Check them out. They always got great, exciting things going over on at the Rocket. The Rocket is stocked and ready to rock. Bottle Rocket Beer Reserve. Vinyl Vibes. Check them out on the gram at Vinyl Vibes Buffalo. Vinyl stickers, decals, and custom designs. Dog Ears Bookstore. 688 Abbott Road. Why get your coffee from Timmy when you can get it from Tommy? Charlie's Boatyard, 1111 Furman Boulevard. Great fish fries. Check them out for the Bills game at Charlie's Boatyard. Delicious drinks. And you can see a nice uh, sunset over there. All right, Marky, episode 68. We have one of the most gifted singer-songwriters in the last 40 years. He's a 2005 Buffalo Music Hall of Famer and a very energetic performer. Ladies and gentlemen, Willie Nile. How are you, Willie? I'm fine. Nice to meet you guys. Hi, everybody. Nice to be here. And let's let's not forget December 10th at the Town Ballroom. Coming back home. Coming back home. Can't wait. Yeah, we're playing the Town Ballroom December 10th. And uh, I love that room. It's one of the, you know, I, I play around the world. And that's one of the, one of the best venues in the whole country. You know, there's there's two others I'd put up on that list. But there's no, Town Ballroom is a really special place. has a great history, great sound. Love, love the stage. I mean, it's really... I mean, my band always brings the party, you know, and right. that that stage is and that venue is a great place to have a party. So December tenth, we are gonna blow the roof off, and then we'll we'll, we'll, we'll repair it when we're done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that place it was part of like Al Capone's uh, casino ring or whatever. Yeah, there's great stories. There's tunnels down below, downstairs. People used to get tortured, supposedly, and worse, and. Uh, and I think it was Frank's the Frank Sinatra's first solo show after he quit. Uh, I forget which Dorsey brother it was band. That was Frank's first place. It's a great room. I saw I saw uh, Sonic. No, what's that band? Um, I saw a band that was packed. It was called Oh Neff. Um, Mike Ness. Mike Neff. Mike Ness. I can't remember the, name of the band. It'll come to me. But I saw them there, and it's just a great place to see a band. I love that room. Absolutely. Well, you talk about uh, hooking up with and seeing different bands. Your new single, uh, Blood on Your Hands, your new album, Blood on Your Hands, and then you came out with a song with Steve Earle. Can you talk a little about how that became, Willie? Sure, sure. The, the new album is called The Day the Earth Stood Still, which is a song about what it was like in New York City during lockdown. But it's it's applicable to any anywhere. You know, we're all going through this nightmare of... Uh, this, this, this damn-demic, you know, and um, I wrote, 
that song, uh, the, the title track, because just walking the streets of New York was like a ghost town. And it was something it was just unbelievable. No cars, no traffic. You'd lay down in the middle of the street. Um, and uh, one of the songs on the album is called Blood on Your Hands. And uh, Steve Earle, a uh, legendary singer-songwriter, he lives right around the corner from me, just a couple doors away. And I, we see each other on, on the street all the time, you know, and, and I love and respect Steve. And, and uh, near the end of the... We recorded the album in January, and we had masks on, you know, in the studio we had to follow all COVID protocol, you know, um, you know, 12, 14 hours a day with masks and performing and stuff. And we did it and it came out just, I mean, I'm just so thrilled with this new record. And one of the songs, Blood on Your Hands, um, I was thinking one night, we were near the end of the project and I thought, you know what, Steve O would sound great singing this. It so really I, I sent him, uh, uh, I texted him, you know, and, and he did, he sang on it and man, he did a great job. His voice fits in perfectly. You know, it's a, he brings a real street vibe to it, you know? So yeah, I'm thrilled that we did that and we made a video of it. It's a cool video from called blood on your hands that, uh, Steve Earl is in we managed to make it work with him singing in the studio, actually sing live and, and the band and I playing in a club in the Bowery and uh, it came out great, but yeah, God bless Steve Earl. Oh, very talented. Yeah, it seems like you got a lot of good camaraderie with like a lot of people. You've been playing with a lot of people for a long time. I've been pretty lucky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been pretty lucky. You know, you leave Buffalo. Like, you know, I, went to, I grew up in Buffalo. I went to the University of Buffalo. And when I graduated, you know, I remember asking my guidance counselor, not guidance counselor, but, you know, whatever, my advisor, who I, I met once the same year ago, how am I doing? <laughs> I, I just took courses that I liked, you know, this was years ago. And he said, you're a philosophy major. And I thought, oh, that sounds pretty cool. I thought, oh, that sounds pretty, uh, maybe I can make some dough with that. I go, what can you do with a philosophy? What, because I had no plan. I just took courses I liked. And I said, what can you do with a philosophy degree? And he said, you can go to graduate school. I went, <laughs> I'm out. I'm going, to, I'm going to New York City. To, not, nothing against graduate school, but I'm going to New York City to try to make records, which I did. And you just never know when you, uh, I, I'm wondering, like, you know, it's good to believe in your dreams. Try to follow them as best you can. And my, my dreams have taken me to some places I never, ever thought I would get to, you know. Amazing. What, what was so sexy about uh, New York at the time when you wanted to go? fascinating my I, I was writing songs i didn't go for because of, i just went because it was i got out of uh, university and what, what was my next move you know and i was writing songs at that time and liked them a lot i didn't perform in buffalo i never was on a stage before but i just i'm going to new york city see if i can make records you know and, and uh it was fascinating it was early 70s and it was you know a lot of holdover ghosts from the 60s in, in the greenwich village scene and um, it was, you know, dirty and, and you know, the seventies were kind of a rough time in New York, but, uh, it was amazing. I mean, there's great history there, um, in, in the arts and you see everything, the good, the bad and the ugly, you know, and as a, for a writer, it's really uh, helpful, inspiring. And the music scene, you know, I caught the whole CBGBs, you know, I, I played acoustically solo. I, I had no money. So I couldn't hire a band, and I had no interest in joining a group. I just wanted to play my own songs. And uh, uh, just started playing out, you know, and I, and I 
uh, one of the open mics. I played CBGBs before it became the punk, the punk mecca that it became. I think two or three months after, television started playing there, and it became this, you know, Patti Smith. And I saw that whole thing happen. It was really inspiring, interesting. I mean, it's still a great place. It still inspires me. I love New York. And so many iconic venues that aren't even around anymore. Um, yep. Can it can it be as naturally awesome as it was ever again anywhere? Well, uh, to, uh, a short story that answers that question. I remember once I was at Max's Kansas City, this legendary uh, bar club, you know, uh, Park Avenue, 17th, 18th Street. And I was sitting at the bar some afternoon, just, you know, hanging out. And the song comes on the radio, uh, on the jukebox. And it just really got my attention. I thought, wow, what is that? It got me off my seat. I went over to the jukebox. And I thought, who is this? And it was the Ramones, Blitzkrieg Bop. <laughs> hey, ho, let's go. And I just thought, oh, wow, these guys are great. And, you know, it, it was, uh, can never be as great again. It, listen, the, the, there's a song on the new album called Expect Change. And things just keep changing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great Ernest Hemingway book called um, uh, a movable place and it was about his life in Paris in the, in the 20s you know he'd be boxing with Picasso in the morning go to Belgium for lunch in the afternoon in the evening he'd be at Gertrude Stein's salon hanging out with these, all, these, you know, all these legendary famous artists of different kinds painters, sculptors, you know, playwrights and it, it's a movable feast the party moves whether it's Greenwich Village and the, you know, the beat generation in the 50s or the early folk boom or the punk thing in the, in the 70s or whether it's uh, Liverpool with the Beatles and that whole Mercy Beat scene whether it's London and the Stones or on you know Seattle uh, you know with uh, all the grunge bands and stuff or you know Austin Texas or uh, it moves the party moves and New York it's ever changing you know well it'll be all like all you can say is it'll always be something it'll always be different you know, yeah. and because it's such a big, you know, bustling city with such a cosmopolitan nature, it'll always be interesting for me. Yeah, know? that camaraderie that you guys had, though, like it seems like everybody was there backing each other up. And uh, like what I've heard, if not that I've been to New York. So that was much. great. That was great camaraderie in the acoustic scene and in the, uh, the, 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 the punk scene, you know, the rock scene. There's still great camaraderie today. You know, there's I, mean, I think I enjoy that more now than ever the friendship of other fellow musicians, you know, everybody who basically, you know, t- takes the dive off the deep end, you know, trying to make a living uh, being a musician or songwriter or whatever. And uh, there's a brotherhood there, and I, I really enjoy it, whether it's, you know, uh, Bruce Springsteen or whether it's Ringo Starr, who I've sung with both, or, or you know, uh, or, uh, you know, somebody who's not famous, who lives down the street, but who's really good quality, you know. The record business keeps changing. There's a buddy of mine, James Maddock, M-A-D-D-O-C-K. Best songwriter I've seen in all my years in New York. You know, if this was in, uh, like in the 80s or the early 90s, he'd be selling out Madison Square Garden. He's great. He, he, play, he opened up for me. I brought him to Buffalo a couple of years ago to open up. He played solo and, you know, everybody loved him. So there's, it. it's not necessarily necessary how, necessarily how successful or famous you are it's about quality right and and uh the, the i love the brotherhood and sisterhood of musicians i just really treasure it more than ever now yeah you know? like even that little blip where jeff buckley was around and gary lucas and 
You know? Oh yeah, Jeff was Buckley was a friend of mine. I knew Jeff pretty well. And we were we were gonna write together just before he died, sadly, you know. Tragedy. Thirty years old, drowns in the Mississippi River, about to make his second record. An incredible singer. I was I went with the I went to the, the, the night he got discovered by Columbia Records. I was there with some guys from Columbia. Wow. And they signed him. And uh, he was an incredible, incredible artist. Tragedy of that. Yeah. The tribute that you did for him was great, too, by the way. We were. Yeah. I, I, was, I was writing this song called On the Road to Calvary. Thank you. I was on the road. I have a song I was writing called On the Road to Calvary. And about a journey. And, and originally it was like my journey, you know. And then I thought, you know what? I wanted to write something to honor Jeff. You know, so I dedicated that to him on the album, Beautiful Wreck of the World. And, uh, and now when I sing it, it's about everybody's journey, you know, the journey of the human race. Mm. That's the beauty. What I love about music, what keeps me interested and, and, and passionate about it is you can write about anything, you know, whether it's love, loss, fear, magic, um, ecstasy, party on a Saturday night, politics, whatever's going on in the world, some, you know. Trying to make the world a better place. Uh, that's I'm not, that's from my small in my small way. You know, yeah. I try to put put music out there that's uplifting, hopefully interesting, and it sure is for me. Yeah, tell a story and connect people well, in different ways. Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you one of the things that was iconic when I went to New York was I ended up at a place called the Wetlands. Sure, a couple blocks from where I live. Yeah, what a place! I mean, the merch was sold out of the, the VW bus. I seen, <laughs> I, I, I seen the hip there. Tragically, hip five nights in a row, and no, no kidding, no one knew them. No one knew they were coming there. Well, by the fourth night, the Canadians came down in droves, and the fire marshal almost had to shut the the show down. That's how many people. That's, God, God bless the hip. You know, I mean. That's a great story. You know, the, the Wetlands was a great venue. I was there. I played that one night. I went there to see uh, Eric Anderson, who's from Buffalo. He was in the folk scene in the early 60s. There's a documentary that came out about him uh, this past spring. Uh, it's called Song Poet. I'm in it. They interviewed me for it. And I know Eric, you know, and uh, uh, Eric was playing. I was on tour. This was like 1981. And Eric was on tour with Rick Danko from the band, and and Jonas Feld, Feld this uh, you know well-known singer-songwriter from Norway, and they played Wetlands. And I, I had just gotten off the road; I was touring, and I was there with my lead guitar player, Clay Barnes, and we were sitting in the back of the room having a drink, you know. And by the end of the show, I was we were just marveling about how amazing Rick Danko's voice was and how good they sound. And near the end of the set. All of a sudden, Eric Anderson goes, oh, there's a special guest in the house, you know. And, and I'm a little buzzed. I'm drinking, you know. And and I'm thinking, well, that can't be me, you know. And, uh, and he goes, he goes, yeah, there's a special guest I wrote a song with. And I went, uh-oh, because we did write a song. <laughs> and he calls me up, and I thought, oh, my God. So I wobbled in stage. I get up there, I give him a hug, you know. And, and next thing I know, after watching for an hour and a half, and it was being filmed. They filmed this. I, 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 I hope I can somehow, somehow get all of that film. Um, D.A. Pennebaker, the guy who made uh, Don't Look Back, and uh, um, a great filmmaker, was filming. And I'm on stage, and next thing I know, I'm singing on mic with Rick Danko. After watching him, Rick Danko was the bass player in a, a group called The Band. <laughs> and, you, know, the, you know, The Weight. Oh, yes. Yeah. The, the, the night they drove old Dixie down, just incredible. 
band, one of the great bands. And after me and Clay were marveling at his voice, I said, he sounds like an angel. Listen to him. And his son, his 19-year-old son, uh, fell out of a window at college and died. And I had a 19-year-old son at the time. This was years ago. And But it, it I, I don't know how many years before this, this experience happened. Anyway, that happened in his life. And I remember thinking, how do you get over that? You know, your 19-year-old son, he just fell, jumped, whatever. Don't know. And so... He's up. He's a very, you know, uh, jovial guy, Rick. I go, hey, Willie, how are you? Great to see you. You know, so I'm singing on mic with Rick. We're singing the song that I wrote with Eric that I couldn't even remember. <laughs> and and um, um, we sang the song. And literally, my face is literally two inches away from uh, his face. And we're singing, and I'm just thinking, this is incredible. I'm, here I am marveling this guy's voice. And and that when the song was over, I said, Rick, you sing like an angel. He goes, that was great. I said, Rick, you sing like an angel. And he laughs. He goes, oh, you know, just sing a song's a desperation, you know, and laughs. And I'm thinking, whoa, came from a deep place. Wetlands was a great joint, to answer your question. And and um, when I saw the Wallflowers there, their debut show in New York City with Jacob Dylan who's a really good guy. He's become a good friend. Uh, and and uh, it was packed to the rafters. And I, we found out later that Dylan was there, but Bob Dylan's father, but he, you know, he was under, in disguise or something. Like Wetlands, was, <laughs> Wetlands was a great joint. There's so many great you know, rock and roll stories in New York City. You know, I remember running into Johnny, Johnny Rotten when the first time he came to CBGB's. He was walking, oh. walking around. You know. Fascinating stuff. Oh, yeah. And you can't bring up the hip in Buffalo without bringing up Bruce Moser. Oh, God bless Bruce. I miss Bruce Moser every day. Everybody every, says that that we run into. Every day. You'll never meet another guy like that, you know. And and, and uh, he is, Bruce Moser, for people who don't know, is a, a independent radio promotion man. His job is to get songs played on the radio. And he had an independent uh a company called Could Be Wild, and he was, you know, he helped uh, break U2. You know, when U2's record came out, the first record, whatever, I don't know which which one it was. Bruce and his uh, his dear wife Mary, they championed it. She had she was a, worked at the record store on Elmwood, and Bruce was like really responsible for spreading the word about them, and they never forgot it. They, U2 played uh, Stage One or whatever it was called. Out on, uh, you know, near Main and Transit. Yeah, there was thirty people. Thirty famous story. It was the night John Lennon was killed. There were thirty people in the event in the place. You know, and anyway, that when Bruce, Bruce, you know, Bono was very generous to Bruce. You know, when when his wife Mary fell and had her, you know, was in a coma for five years, and they were, he was very helpful to Bruce. Uh, you know, and and uh, people loved Mosher. People that knew him, he was one of a kind. He would always get a straight straight talk from him he was no nonsense no bull and uh, you know he I mean, passed away what just before covid yeah yeah and i mean i wish he could he would love this new record the new new album he'd loved it you know and he'd be happy to for a lot of things that are happening for me and and i miss him you know he's just you can always get the straight stuff from bruce ask his opinion you'd get it you know he wouldn't sugarcoat it you know, I'd play, I'd play new songs for him and, you know, he was always really supportive and, but he would tell me, he goes, 
I don't care about this one, but these other ones are great, you know. And, <laughs> it, and that's that's really valuable. You need people like that around, you know. Yeah, we we I think we lost something that we didn't even know we had uh, at some. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it almost seems like there needs to be a statue or something for Bruce. In, <laughs> Ooh, I like that in, idea. in a venue or somewhere because he is connected to the world yeah. of rock and roll. I, oh. I feel. Oh yeah. And like, oh yeah, Brian. He, he broke Brian Adams in the states. I mean, he was responsible for the success of a lot of artists, and he was passionate about it. He, he just was like, he was so funny. Yeah, I mean, there's so many Bruce Mosier stories. I, I love and miss the guy dearly. Wow. Yeah. And speaking of like uh, breaking bands, you know, like uh, 1980 was a big year for you. You said you were playing some some singer songwriter stuff. So what is? How do you get into your your record deal? Well, and I got I got signed. I was playing on uh, Bleecker Street, 1978. You know, I I, I got a study. Uh, I was playing there like every six weeks. I'd get a, a, a week a, a six days opening. I would open shows for people. And this one July, it was July. Uh, I don't know, 29th or something, 28th, 1978. And a buddy of mine was headlining and I was opening the show. You know, we do two sets, six nights, you know. And uh, uh, the manager of the club, Don Hill, who, who uh, had a very famous club years later in New York, he's gone now, another big loss. Anyway, Don Hill gets a phone call from Robert Palmer of the New York Times, a legendary. Uh, writer yeah. music critic and uh palmer robert palmer calls don hill and says, hey i'm coming to see the you know the headliner tonight you know what time should i come and don told him he says but you says you should come see the opening act he says he's pretty special you might you want you'll want to see him and he indeed did come early and he wrote this just incredible review in the new york times comparing me to you know, Buddy Holly, Bob Dylan, Gene Vincent, you know, just, it was an extraordinary review. If we were sitting around trying to write a completely glowing review that was ridiculously good, we couldn't have done this. He just wrote. So God bless Don Hill for that. But that got me signed. The next the next night, the place was packed in the rafters. And, um, you know, people were giving me their cards up coming off the stage. I was playing solo, acoustic, you know, jumping off the stage. Hell yeah. <laughs> you know, I, was, I was rocking and rolling. I was singing yeah. rocking. Even though it was solo acoustic, I was rocking. And got signed to Arista and uh, made a record, came out in 1980. And uh, we did like a three-week tour across the U.S. And uh, the last gig, we, I heard from the record company, someone said that Pete Townsend was a big fan of my record. And I just thought to myself, yeah, sure he is. You know, I, I didn't, I, I loved the, you know, the British invasion was, you know, when I was a kid, you know, I really dug all that stuff. Buffalo was a great town for music, man. They had great radio stations, KBW and all, you know, great town for music all through a couple of decades anyway um i I played the roxy the last day of the tour you know my band we were playing clubs and you know maybe small theaters nothing big across the u.s my first time ever touring with the band i never i never played with the band before so we get to the roxy in la this famous club and freddie mercury comes out to the show you know and uh Queen and uh, and after the show, Bill Kerbishley, the manager of the Who, comes backstage. You know, the whole Who the management team came out, and he, he offered me. They said, "Love the show." And he offered me the tour with the U.S. across the U.S. with the Who. They had just played like eight or nine shows in L.A. to open the tour, and then they were heading out across the whole U.S. and they they had another band open and they kicked them off the tour. And 
They put me on the tour. I got the tour across the U.S. Watching the Who every night. It was absolutely oh, yeah. unbelievable. And they're, they're, they're all friends of mine to this day. Great guys. Pete, Roger, Bill. Great people. Now, that's right after Keith Moon passes away. How How is that band doing at it that was time? The first, it was the first tour after Keith Moon died. And, and it was it was really amazing. I mean, Who fans are notoriously, you know, passionate, wild. You know, they, they go nuts for the Who, and who wouldn't? And when they played in Cincinnati, we played in, you know, in Kentucky. It was near Cincinnati where they had the riot. You know, the, uh, and where some people died um, in their previous tour, and it was just really uh, intense. The tour was amazing; they were amazing. They couldn't have been nicer to us. The shows were just explosive. To see the Who night after night, oh my God! You know, Phoenix, Houston, Dallas, Austin, New Orleans—you know, all across the country. Wow! It was, it was just a, a like I said earlier. You know, you believe in your dreams, and something's happening. You don't even imagine could happen and that surely was one of them right but like you had that energy like i could see you doing that with the who jumping around you know i think you paved the way for guys like uh you know the john spencer blues explosion going nuts. well you know i just I, i'm still you know i'm older but i'm still i do two hour shows and we we bring it you know i've got one of the great bands i really humbly said these are this, my guys are some of the best this is one of the best bands on the planet Every single song, every all, every one of us, we I always give everything I got. I, if it's not that, I'm out. You know, if if, if I don't think it's going to be special, I don't go on a stage. If it's not if I don't if it's not if I don't if I don't go into the recording studio unless I think it's going to be, you know, magic. You know, and you hope for it. You hope for it, of course. You know, and uh, my, these guys in my band, I'm so lucky. They every single song, they give everything they got. You can uh, people audiences always after the shows are always like oh my god what a band you know they're so good and uh, so I was I was always very energetic on stage you know uh, you know I just I got born I was kind of shot out of a cannon I guess <laughs> and, and I'm still you know still sailing across the sky I'm, I'm having a ball more, I'm having more fun now than ever and I've had great bands amazing bands you know uh, and. This band I've got now is as good as anything I've ever had. They, they bring it. Jimmy Jimmy Bones, Johnny Paisano, and John Weber. Three of the best players you'll ever see. And December 10th, man, I'm telling you, anybody listening to this, if you want to see a real rock and roll band, you know, just give absolutely everything. You know, maybe you can help us put the roof back together after Hell you blow yeah. it apart. Oh, yeah. We yeah. plan on being there. Yeah, That's and, you know, I, what yeah, I yeah. like, I wonder I, – I, with how you write i love how like the gang vocals like you're writing for other, everybody you know and telling a story yeah. it's great i love it yeah yeah i love gang vocals i love songs i love anthems i love songs that have that pay off you know songs that have like great choruses i like all kinds of stuff i mean i i've got all you know like i put her album of piano songs where it's just me and a piano you know but i most of my records are like pretty rocking out and uh the new one, the day the year stood still, is as is a good a record as I've ever made, and you know, and uh, the, the with the two videos we put out, "Blood on Your Hands" and the title track, "The Day the Year Stood Still." I love those videos, and we're having a great time. You, if you see either one of those tracks, you, know, you can see the band bringing it. You, see, you can see what the band does. Yeah, we'll it's be sharing band. all that, Willie, on our social media and stuff like that. That's awesome. I, I'd love to. I'd love to meet you guys that night. I mean, you know, we're all vaxxed, and you know, absolutely. We'll, we'll be careful and stuff. And we've been touring, we've been playing, and uh, you know, DC, you know, Philly, Boston, 
up New England, up and down the East Coast. And uh, we're careful. We're all vaxxed. My whole band got COVID uh, a year ago in March. We were on stage February 29th in New Jersey. And uh, um, um, after the show, my, my bass player had a fever and was sick. Everybody got COVID. And the opening act got COVID. And I didn't. I don't know why. I got lucky. But they all got COVID. My lead guitar player was so he was sick for a month. He coughed so hard one week, he fractured four ribs. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. Yep. But they're doing great. We all threw it, you know, so we're good. You know, when I sign CDs after a show, because I always like to come out and say hello to the people, thank you for coming, I, I'm wearing a mask now, you know, and yeah, then I sure. fist bump, you know. But uh, it's all right. It's The, the, the vibe's great. And, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't wait. Just town ballroom, look out. Here we come, December 10th. And, uh, you, you know, Going back to when you first started touring, is that when you got that uh, iconic Strat? When did you get that? Well, I have got a 197. It's a 1963 Stratocaster, Fender uh, Stratocaster. Beautiful. I bought it when I got signed to my record deal, you know, in 1978. Um, I had money. Not a lot, but I had some money, so I needed to get a electric guitar because I was doing all, all this stuff on a, a one string acoustic, you know, singing these rock and roll songs. And... Um, uh, I found it back then. So I bought it in 78 and I still got it. I don't take it on the road anymore. It's, you know, it's too, it's too valuable. Wow. Yeah. And I've, I've, I've got, a, a, a another one. I got another great guitar. It's another strat I use. It's Sunburst. Great. Is it the same? same yeah. Style? It's the Sunburst. Yeah. Oh, it's, wow. a, it's a, it's a beat up old Mexican, uh, built strut, uh, but it was, it's, but it, I got lucky. I got a really good one. It, they all vary, you know, yeah. but both my, both my strats are really good. Yeah, that just always that, and then like Strummer's, uh, you know, uh, Telecaster. Those are two that always stick with me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen Springsteen had showed me his. Uh, uh, he calls it number one. His his 1951 Telecaster was like, I mean, it, it, the baby wow. Jesus used to play it. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's it's a it's a beautiful beautiful instrument. You could still be uh, awed by some of these things, huh? Yeah, great. I mean, I love uh, I, I love being in, in music stores, being around instruments. There's a place I play in, in, in L.A. sometimes, um, McCabe's. It's an old. It, it's, it's a you know they sell uh, get, it, instruments. It's a, it's a it's a music store. They sell guitars and stuff, band, banjos, mandolins, and the walls are covered with instruments. And when you play on stage, they 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 hum, you know. And uh, I, I just like being around them, you know. I love instruments and nothing like a good old instrument. My uh, one of my old uh, guitar players, Peter Hoffman, has this old old Telecaster, and it looks so beat up. And I said, "What do you do? You pee on that thing? You know, what do you do? <laughs> to, to give it its, its ambiance." And, and so he played with us when we were in Boston uh, uh, some weeks back. I go, "You see, I just peed on it the other day to give it a little bit of extra luster." <laughs> Boy, what what a life you're living here, uh, Willie. You're Knock dropping wood. You're, yeah, you're dropping, you know, Roger, Peter, Ringo, and then of course, I mean, we talked about Bruce Moser. There's another Bruce. You just dropped his name, Bruce Springsteen. You, who looks up to you, which <laughs> is amazing is to me. Bruce has been great. He's been a really good friend, and is Bruce is really supportive. To the artist he likes, and, and people ask me about Bruce. Now, the one thing I'll say is, he's he's what you'd hope he'd be, you know. Like if you were hanging out in a bar, and I've, I've done this with you know three in the morning, 
You know, you're sitting up, it's like talking with one of your buddies, so no different. You know, he's managed to keep his head on his shoulders. I mean, that kind of iconic fame, I wouldn't really wish it on anybody, you yeah. know, because it, it's limiting. I'll take the money and run, no doubt about it. But, <laughs> but, but, and he's handled it really well, but he's been really good to me. He's invited me on stage many times, you know, Shea Stadium in front of 60,000 people for half an hour, Giant Stadium in front of 70,000. He's joined my band on stage a bunch of times. He's just, he, Bruce loves rock and roll. He loves rock and roll. He loves to rock. He doesn't need to do it anymore, but he does. He loves it, you know, and, and uh, he's nothing but a good guy and salt of the earth, feet on the ground, and really props to him. How many people get can get, get screwed up by becoming so famous? <laughs> famous not. Fame is a weird bird, you know. It's I've been lucky in a way. In 1980, when my first record came out, there was a lot of hype about me. Oh, the next this, the next that. And it was all nonsense, but I, I knew people had needed their references to refer, you know, to, to refer to me. And there was a lot of promise there. But, I, you know, had I been successful, like big time, I don't know if my, my, I've got four kids. I don't know that they would be the good, you know, the really great people that they are, you know, if they could have had anything they wanted, you know. So, so they saw their dad that struggled through the 80s, you know. I walked away from the record business in 81. When it was just when it became more about business than music, I thought, the hell with this. I didn't want him to kill my buzz in music, and I literally left town. And um, so fame's a weird bird, you know, but he, Bruce has handled it really well. And uh, you know, it's good to follow your dreams and to, you know, aspire, you know, to, to things, but don't miss along the way the little things, you know, the, the friends you meet along the way those little special things, you know, uh, writing a good song or having a good performance or whatever in your life that, you know, it's the little things that are the magic. And Bruce is a really good guy, and it's, it's an absolute blast to be on stage with him. One night we were on uh, a giant stadium. He invited me to come. It was the last five shows before they tore down giant stadium. Bruce was playing. So one of the nights I went, you know, he invited me to come and, and, uh, uh, backstage, you know, before the show, and we ran down the song we were going to sing, you know, and uh, went up, and 70,000 people going crazy at Giant Stadium. It's really loud, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's deafening. And the, band, the E Street Band, I mean, give me a break. What a band. I know all those guys. They're great guys. So I go up on stage, and we're, we're singing, uh, I can't remember the song right in this moment. It was great. It was some rocker. And we're having a ball, you know, on stage, and it was deafening the sound, really great. And I, uh, you know, and I, uh, I left the stage, you know, and, and all of a sudden I'm, I'm on the side of the stage talking to some people, and all of a sudden he's calling me back. He's telling, "Let's get Willie back here," you know. So I went up on stage for uh, another song or two, and you know how he does at the end of his, some points of his shows, he'll, he'll, him and the whole band will rush out to the front of the stage and play right at the edge. Yeah. So they all go out to the front of the stage. Well, I'm going too, so off I go, right? You know, sitting on, on the, right along the, the line with the band, you know. And, and this woman, woman's looking up, looking up to be going, who the hell is that guy? <laughs> <laughs> and I look down at her and I just kind of shrug my shoulders. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so Bruce is a really good guy and I've been, you know, it's been a real honor and a pleasure to be, you know, to, to be able to play with him and get his support and, and uh, yeah, he, a really good guy. He's the kind of guy you hope he'd be, you know. That's great to hear. Yeah, and you're more of a household name here than than you think. You know, anybody that we told we were going to talk to, they're like, "No way, can't believe it." 
that's awesome yeah. you know it, and uh i love buffalo i love <laughs> buffalo buffalo people that know buffalo you know know it you know my uh my lawyer lives in new york and when she got married you know i don't know a dozen years ago or something they went to niagara falls for their honeymoon and they said let's take a trip to buffalo absolutely fell in love with the city they come here all they come here all the time dingus day they're here you know they come they just love the architecture the people you know it's the people in buffalo that are the magic there's great architecture i love the, you know downtown there's so many great buildings houses and stuff there's great history here but it's the people you know and you know they'll come when they come to town if, if i'm in town they'll we'll go we'll go bar hopping and they'll hit a bunch of local bars you know where the real people you know the owners bartenders the people there it, that's what makes it that's what makes it special that's what makes buffalo special blue collar pe- hustlers people who go to work people who go to work it's a yeah. real town with real people see you know salt of the earth people and and you know you can't beat it you know it's it's i love it yeah. i love buffalo for all the for, for all the good reasons you know and yeah, this is a great time, and I'll always love it, and it'll always be a home for me. Well, we we got a mutual friend in Louis Mastillo, and I'm going to say oh, this too: Louis. as a as a hard worker, you know, from 2006, you said you took a break, but from 2006 to present, I mean, you've been more prolific than uh, Bruce uh, than uh, than Steve King. Uh, well, but you know, I, I walked uh, in, 19, in in '81. I walked away from the business, and I made and I eventually signed to Columbia in '91. I got back into it, but the last I made like nine albums in the last 12 years and it's it's not the the number of them it's the quality of them i'm just so you know last year last august year ago there's this, this label put out a tribute record to me called willie nile uncovered it was a little embarrassing you know but it was um, i heard it and i i had tears in my eyes you know 26 artists did 26 of my songs mills lofgren grant parker elliot murphy just a raft of people did uh, so, so, songs of mine, 26 of them. And I, and I was so honored for that, you know, and, and, and there's so many songs that aren't on it. So like over, <laughs> I, my whole goal was to try to build a body of work that would stand on its own, you know, and that I've done it. It's totally there. I'm so proud of it. I mean, 90 albums in 12 years and the start, House of a Thousand Guitars, The Innocent Ones, American Ride, If I Was a River, World War Willie, <laughs> who calls the record World War Willie? <laughs> and then Positively Bob, the Dylan album, the Dylan cover album I made, that Children of Paradise, last year's New York at Night, and now the Day the Earth Stood Still. Man, I'm so proud of those records. And That's it's awesome. not just me. It takes a team to do something like that. Great players, great co-producer. Yeah, it's a team effort. And that's, you know, I'm, I must say, I'm knocking on wood here. After all these years, it's never been never been better, never been more fun. Yeah, the shows we've been doing since the pandemic ended are clearly the best the best shows that we've done ever in my life. Wow. You know, they're just they're that they're, anybody who comes December tenth, you'll see it. Combination of having so much so much material to pick from. You know, I've got just so much so, so many songs, and this band is absolutely on fire. Absolutely on fire. So a lot of people, a lot of people, still believing in you. That's amazing. You know, that's that's a great thing. And you know, I'm I'm a I'm a believer. You know, I'm still a rock and roll believer. I believe in it. I do it because it means something to me. You know, life is hard, man. You know, 
Yeah. People work hard. All you know, life is tough, and lots of lots of us have jobs we don't like. And I'm lucky; I do something I love. It has not always been easy. It's been really up and down, hard many years. Well, I'm I'm rocking now. I'm having a great time. You know, getting through COVID. You know, and and uh, this pandemic, and 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 you know, making the best records of my life now, and and uh, doing the best shows. My so I'm I'm knocking on wood, having a great time. And, that's why I can't wait to come back December tenth. I'm I'm telling all my friends and relatives, hey, come on out, you you're gonna be you're gonna have fun this night. So. Oh yeah, and 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 I was bringing up Louis because he said there's really only two concept albums about New York, you know that he that he really listens to, and he said it's uh, Lou Reed's New York and your uh, Streets of New York. Streets of New York, yeah, Louis. Oh yeah, let's talk about Lou. Lou is so sweet. My record, 2006, Streets of New York. Yeah, it's, it was, you know, put me back on the map, actually, you know, that album. And uh, I love that record. It's really, you know, it, it's, you know, my mountaintop, one of my mountaintops, I guess you'd say. And, and Lou Mastillo is the greatest guy. Lou is an actor, for those of you who don't know Lou. He, you know, Mike and Molly, he's a playwright. He wrote one of the great plays I've ever seen called Bartender. Oh, I've seen it. It's great. You saw it? Where, oh, yeah. Where'd you, where'd you see it? I was a young bartender, and I was snuck in by the older bartenders 19 years old they snuck me in wow yeah what was the, what was the venue you saw it at oh jesus okay so, I wanna, so I, it, was, it was buffalo oh yeah, yeah it was yeah. definitely buffalo yeah was it studio I, I arena see, anything i like think that? it was studio arena yeah what about it? Oh. Yeah, he did it he, he did a run in new york and i went with my oldest son luke who was a bartender at the time and luke's dad was a bartender for like a long time decades and Lou was a bartender for, I don't know, 15, 20 years, whatever. And when you're a bartender, you, you see everything. Mm -hmm. Think about it. You're behind the bar. You get every kind of, you know, good, the bad, and the ugly coming and sitting at the bar, you know. And you see everything. And Lou is such a friendly, amiable guy. And he did both this play called Bartender with six vignettes, six short little stories about each one different bartender. And he played it was a one-man show. It riveting to say it was brilliant is an understatement. You know, I mean, it's just so great. There's talk of maybe making a film of it. I'm hoping so. Oh yeah. Lou Masillo is a great actor. He was in Sopranos. He was Tony Sopranos' gardener. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Will you know why the the bartender always lives in the old westerns, right? Why? Keep, <laughs> Why? Keeps his mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty true, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I love Louis. Well, I'm 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 blessed to have him as a friend. You know, I one time he called me up in New York and he goes, "Hey, Willie, me and Trish, you know, we're going, we're gonna go to the Jane Street uh, restaurant to have a drink, and then we're gonna get a bottle of wine and go to the Hudson River and watch the sun go down." And I thought, what a cool invitation. I'm with you. So I met him at the Jane Street restaurant, you know, in the West Village. He had a drink at the bar. Went next door. He bought a bottle of wine. And he knows his wine. And uh -huh. we walk a couple blocks. We're sitting on a bench over the Hudson River watching the sun go down. He had a little boom box. And we're listening to some, like, classical music or, you know, some some kind of jazz or some, some kind of music. And just chatting and watching the sun go down. Man, talk about being in the moment. Talk about knowing how to stop, smell the roses, appreciate what's around you. Oh, this guy is this guy's a national treasure. He's one of Buffalo's absolute treasures, no doubt about it. You know, I really respect this guy. Lou, God bless Lou Mastillo.
Absolutely. I yep. love that you guys are friends too, because you're kind of the same thing. You're in the same boat. You're, you're you're like iconic, talented guys that came from, had to go somewhere else to really get to where you wanted. But you do not forget about your hometown. That's what it seems. No, like. no, you don't. You don't. I mean, Buffalo is one of a, Buffalo taught me so much. You know, it still teaches me stuff. You know, I love this town. I love the people in it, especially the people. You know, it's a rocking town. People work hard here. They bust their butt. You know, my my grandfather, my dad's father, Dick Noonan, was a orchestra leader in vaudeville for like thirty years. You know, you know, like eight or nine guys. You know, seven nights a week, working in the post office six days a week. Come home, have dinner, put his tux on, and go to the theater, Varsity Theater, the Riviera, a bunch of theaters around town that are most of them long gone, and. You know, my dad used to, in third, fourth grade, he would take them three, four nights a week to get them out of their mother's hair because they had six kids. And he would, he, he just would regale us. Dad would tell stories about the vaudeville years and somebody making an elephant disappear on stage and they <laughs> yeah. a movie and comedian, seal acts. And uh, my grandfather was a great piano player. So there's a, there's a lot of history in Buffalo for me. My uncle John, his brother, was the orchestra leader for Chase Buffalo for years. You know, she's Buffalo, the legendary joint. What a great place that is. Oh, yeah. You know, I've been around. I've played a lot of venues around the country. And and uh, Chase Buffalo, there's nothing like it. It's just an absolute treasure. Treasure. I saw in excess there. Man, oh, man. Wow. I was, I was downstairs in the back, and people upstairs were jumping so much, plaster starts falling. <laughs> I thought I'm getting out of here, so I went up. I went forward in the aisle, in excess. I saw in excess at the North Park Theater. <laughs> I mean, it, that's when they were just like you know working their asses off, and they were amazing. What a great band, you know, and one of the great arena bands ever. And I saw them at North Park and at Chase Buffalo. Pretty cool. Buffalo rocks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, every once in a while, I talk to Lou, and he's like, yeah, I'm eating a ham sandwich. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you up just to? very normal. Just eh, very not buffalo. Not that much. <laughs> just having some wine with the Hudson. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I really enjoyed uh, not only going down the wormhole of your your body of work, but then I started getting We went down a wormhole with the art on a con. There was kind of like uh Homeless people, oh yeah, street people. Children paradise, yeah. yeah. That's paradise. a great story. Can you just touch on that a little bit? Because there's a little, Thank there's you. a little part that I want to talk to you about after. Yeah, sure. That my uh, <coughs> Christina Aragoni is this great, great photographer from Italy. She, we were, we've been together eleven years, and uh, she's just great. We got married this past year, and congratulations. Yeah, thank you. She, she's just a great photographer. You know, Jackson Brown flew her to Scotland to shoot him up there. She's just gifted, self-taught. And I think since she's been shooting all my album covers since that 2013, the album American Ride. And I had an album called Children of Paradise. And she lives in Italy. So we come back and forth. She's got kids, so we both kind of go back and forth all these years. And... She said to me, I had this album I was working on called Children of Paradise. And she said, I got an idea for your album cover. You know, and I said, what's that? And she's, she had been shooting homeless people in Greenwich Village, you know. And 
she would ask them, you know, she wouldn't just take advantage of them and shoot somebody, you know, passed out. She would ask them, is it okay if I take your photograph? And she had this incredible collection. She has this incredible collection of, of you know, homeless street people, homeless people, you know. And um, she said, uh, you know, and she mentioned the idea for the cover. And uh, it's just a, one of the most, one of the best album covers that I've ever seen. That cover, really is. and the four people, two of them are homeless. Well, one, one guy was living in a room in Brooklyn. Another guy in a room in uh, uh, Jersey City, and he would come into the city on weekends and shine shoes. You know, you know, really, you know, people down on their luck, and it, it, the photographs are just—they look like royalty. You know, it's just so real, so genuine. And the new album, The Day the Earth Stood Still, the, the photo she said to me, Christina said, uh, I think I've got, she knew I was going to call the album The Day the Earth Stood Still. And she said, Johan, there's this street performer who does this living statue kind of thing. He's got a pedestal. Uh, he's a short little guy, four feet 11. He's actually smaller than I am, if you can believe that. And he, 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 he'll, He'll pose. He'll stand. He'll stay still, and somebody put money in his tip jar, and he'll blow him a, a kiss in slow motion, and then freeze in some other pose. So the, the, the Earth stood still. All the artwork, all the pictures on the album, except one, are pictures of Johan Figueroa Gonzalez. He's great. Wow. The other picture is of me. Picture of me with uh, former Congressman John Lewis, uh, <laughs> the great uh, civil rights activist. I, I got to meet him a few years ago, and. It was a real, a real thrill. Definitely one of the mountaintops of my life. Meeting John Lewis and getting to thank him for all he's done for voting rights and for equality and for justice and trying to make this a better world, a better country. And uh, that's the only photo. It's just a little picture in the booklet. The rest are all of uh, this great New York City street artist. Wow. But yeah, Children of Paradise. Those photographs are out of this world. So, so you know that Buffalo hip hop is on the map now with uh benny the butcher if you heard i heard about i heard about that okay. oh, that reminds me of something like, oh, no, yeah yeah go ahead so uh his uh album that he put out griselda it, it's either paying homage or it's very cl close he he took a you know a picture of uh you know a lady who's homeless over on the west side and it, it's it looks like you know i was like looking at it i'm like wow this is just like willie niles uh, you know, what's the, what's the name? What's the name of the album? I want to look uh, at or, or, te or text text yeah, it to me. I will. I'll forget. But yeah, it, I, it, I'd it, love to see that picture. We yeah. need to get you guys hooked up together. You guys can do like an Edgar Winter, uh, you know, Tupac thing that they yeah. had going on. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's wow. Yeah, send me that information. I'd look. I'd love to look into it. Yeah, cool, man. Very yeah. inspiring stuff. I mean, not only uh, your albums are great, but. Get that, get that real album, guys, and get that artwork because that's something that people miss. Like you can always look it up on Spotify, but to have that album with that artwork or the CD yeah. with the artwork—that's what we're missing these days. And I'm glad that you're doing this. We made, yeah, we made CDs, we made vinyl. The vinyl won't be available till like January because of the pandemic. There's such a glut of albums coming out. Everybody, everybody around the world's backed up in manufacturing, but the CDs are out. I'll have them to sell at. Uh, um, the December 10th show at the town ballroom, but here in Buffalo, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 I really take pains to, to make the records I make. I don't, I want, I don't, I don't want to put one lame song on any record. I want the artwork to be classy, elegant, you know, cool, whatever. And, uh, yeah, I love, I love the hard 
copies of the albums and stuff, you know. Yeah, I like to hold them in my hand, read through the booklet. Yeah. One last thing. You want to know how energetic Willie Nile is on stage. <laughs> you need to look up his TV debut, David Letterman, 1991. Willie, <laughs> you fucking rocked the joint. You had Paul Schaefer rocking the whole, the baddest band in the world behind you. Just talk about I mean, Letterman's iconic. I mean, the rest of these guys that are around now kind of stink. He was like the last one, and that was the old show. Do you remember anything about that night? Because it, it, it seemed special to me when you were on stage. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. I was on Columbia Records at the time, you know, and I made a record called Places I Have Never Been. And, again, I've been lucky with the, the critics. have always been really good to me. And, and, and it was so, I, you know, I got on a book to, to be on the Letterman show. And so I show up in the afternoon. I think I actually it was like three o'clock. I think we had fifteen minutes, three to three fifteen, to run through the song. And uh, the van was running through stuff that they were going to play that night. And then I come out, and Paul goes, "How you doing?" I had met Paul in nineteen eighty one, in December nineteen eighty. I made a record called Golden Down, and Paul Schaefer played a lot of the keyboards on that record. And he remembered it to this day. When I run into Paul Schaefer, he goes, "Hey Willie, Champs Elysees." And I said, how on earth do you remember a song you played on in December of 1980, you know, here 40 years later, you know, with all the music that's passed by your desk, you still remember the title of that song. Extraordinary guy. Anyway, so we're there and and uh, with that great, great band, you know, Anton Fig on drums, Will Lee on bass, a great guitar player, I forget his name, and Paul and, and, uh, uh, we're going to play Heaven Help the Lonely, which was Bruce Mosier's favorite song. And Paul said, the song's about five minutes long. And Paul goes, we got to cut it down to 335. And I went, what? I had no knowledge. I didn't know. It hit me like, what? And so we ran, we, you know, we talked about it. I go, well, we could cut this, that, boom, boom. We cut it down. We ran through it once. And that, that band is so good, they killed it. And... Uh, so I'm, I'm backstage, you know, I was nervous. I mean, it's David Letterman show, it's live. And it's the theater the Beatles played in on the Ed Sullivan show. You know, it's the old Ed Sullivan theater. But the history there is just dripping with history. And I'm backstage, I'm just this kid from Buffalo, you know, about to go on live TV and perform with this great band. And I'm standing in the wings behind the curtain, you know, and about to introduce me, you know. And I'm thinking, I was nervous. I thought, you know what, the hell with it. You know, I, the thing is, if you make a mistake, <laughs> you're screwed. You know, and, and I thought, that ah, hell with it. I'm just going to have a good time. So I just, like, was wild abandoned with nothing to lose. What went out there, you know, and that we started a song. I played it. I, I was able to bring two of my band members, Stuart Lerman, who co-produces all my records, and Stuart Smith, who's been with the Eagles for, like, I don't know, 20 years. Incredible guitar player. And I was able to bring two of my guys to play with us. And we had a great time, and it was so we played it. It went by in this like a split second. It was so quick, and I just sang the song. You know, at the end of the day, I'm not Glory Boy looking for you know looking for glory. It's about the music for me. And when in doubt, sing the song. Forget about yourself. Sing the song and, and sing your ass off. And I did. And when we cut the commercial, they cut the commercial. And coming back from commercial, Stuart Lerman, uh, one of my guitar players. Had like a, 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 like a, he hadn't shaved in a few days and he had a hat on. And Letterman goes, Letterman must have said my name like 10 times. 
<clears throat> during the show. We got Willie Niles on tonight, you know. He must have seen us uh, at Soundcheck. I mean, really, literally, said my name a bunch of times during the show. And uh, so after we come back from commercial, he goes, wasn't wasn't that Willie Niles great? Yeah, Willie, yeah, great. But he goes, I don't know about that guy with the hat, though. I think he's stealing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it was, to this day, we laugh about it, yeah. yeah. And, it was you great, know, Dave. Dave was Letterman was really nice to me. He was very complimentary. He said nice things backstage. It was really an honor to be on that show. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, because when I listen to your music, I you know I think of the people that you probably inspired, like Jonathan Richmond and like guys like that. And then like when I watch a live performance, I like I said, you know, it's like John Spencer. It's like you paved the way for guys to you know get up there and and really crush it with their energy. Well, you know, you you just whatever you're doing in life, you know, whether you're a you know selling bananas on a street corner do your best give it your all you know i mean just do the best you can with whatever you're doing you know take pride in it you know just give it everything you got you know we basically have one ride through this you know we're all on this journey together on our separate journeys you know and, and and make the most of it do the best you can you know treat people good and just like don't leave it don't leave it on the shelf give it give it your all you know that's, that's how I've always lived my life, and I'm trying to still do that to this day. Excellent advice. Well, the new album, The Day the Earth Stood Still, and we're going to be uh, blowing the roof off December 10th at the Town Ballroom. Yeah, man. Uh, Willie Nile, you, you, great. Thanks for taking the time, and as we do to all our guests, Willie Nile, you are now thanks. licensed to talk. Oh, thanks for <laughs> thanks for talking to me. Thanks for taking the time, and I much appreciate it. And I really, I certainly enjoy talking to you guys. And here's the Buffalo, the one and the only. Hell yeah! Uh, all right. Well, we'll see you the December tenth. And go, cheers. Go kick some ass. Looking forward to seeing you December tenth. Come and say hello. I'll come out afterwards, but come by beforehand if if, if, if I'll let you back. Love to see you. Absolutely. All right, brothers. Do you guys take good care, stay safe, and see you December tenth. Absolutely. Thanks, thanks so Willie. Bye bye now. Bye bye.